You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. Are you ready for more dancing? You ready for it? Does anybody here remember Saturday Night Fever? Shame on you, you're so old. Remember Saturday Night Fever? And I'm not going to talk about Saturday Night Fever, and we won't be doing any more dancing in this session. But it is good fun, isn't it? And when we get together, there is an energy and there's a joy that we share. And there's nothing at all wrong with singing and dancing and praising God. Would anyone say amen? I want to look at a curious incident that's in the Bible, the curious incident of Moses the shiny face, because it's an incident that happens in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 34, from which we can learn a lot about God's ways of dealing with us and changing our lives and changing who it is that we are. You know, everyone here in this room is changeable. Would anyone say amen? We are all moldable, we are all changing to our situations and changing to our circumstances, changing to our, uh, to our circumstances, we are changed, we are being moved and changed all the time whether we know it or not. You are not the same person you were last year. You are a different person now and you will never be the same again. Would anyone say it? You are being changed little by little, piece by piece. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in the Bible, like I said, in, Genesis, uh, in Exodus chapter 34, and I've called it this morning, Glowing with Glory. And it's the story of something that happened, a curious event that happened to Moses. You know, it's very famously said by, um, by uh, Roald Dahl, the, the, the children's writer. He said this, he said, no matter what a person looks like on the outside, if on the inside they have good thoughts and are happy, it will shine out through them. That's what, it's, that's what he said. And I think he's right. He's put his finger on something. He said, no matter how good looking somebody is on the outside, no matter how Ryan Gosling or Lindsay Lohan or Paris Hilton or Brad Pitt you are on the outside, if your thoughts on the inside are ugly, that will show through you as well. Amen. Let's look at the story of Moses and it makes sense in a second. Here's the story. I think it's a great story. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over to them and he talked with them. Moses is up on the mountain and he's in God's presence and he's spending so much time in God's presence that it's having a literal visible effect on the fella. As he comes back down the craggy mountain, there's something about him that's different, but he doesn't know it. He doesn't know exactly what's going on. I hear testimonies and stories of people all the time who've become Christians and then somebody at work says to them, there's something different about you. There's something I can't put my finger, there's something different about you. And it can very often be unbeknownst to the person themselves. So as Moses comes down the mountain, he has a shiny face. He is glowing and he doesn't even realize it. He's been in the presence of God and it's had an effect on his face so that when he comes down, the guys in the distance look up and they go, whoa, 
What happened to Moses, the big shiny head up on him? As we probably would have said in Cork. This is coming down, a big shiny head up on Moses. Now you've got to remember, there wasn't an awful lot of things to distract you back in those days. There was no radio. There was no TV. There was no sky. The only sky you could look at was the sky up over your head. There was no radio channels, no Twitter, no Snapchat, no nothing. It was a kind of a boring place to be. So something like this kind of stood out quite a bit. And they noticed his face, and they were afraid. It says they were afraid to come near him. Oh, what's wrong with Moses? He's going to shine in or something. There's something weird about him. Moses, what's wrong with you? It says that Moses called them over, and he began to speak with them. And then the most interesting part of the story kicks in. When Moses was finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came back out again. And he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil back over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. He put a veil over his face. Moses put something over his face so that people would not see the glow that was coming off. You know, the first thing you have to get ahead, this wasn't like a wedding veil. You know, Moses wasn't in an episode of Don't Tell the Bride here. This was, this was a, something serious. He was shining so much, they had to put something over his face because people probably couldn't look at him. He was shining so much. You go, what kind of a bizarre story is this? He's shining, he's glowing. He's been in God's presence and he's shining and he has to put a veil over his face. And that veil that Moses put over his face becomes emblematic throughout your reading of the Bible. If you continue to read the Old Testament, you especially read in the New Testament the writings of Paul. That veil that he put over his face to block the glory becomes emblematic of blindness, of ignorance and separation from the presence of God. And we'll get into that in a little bit later. But imagine yourself in that situation. You see Moses. Have you ever walked into a situation and somebody said to you, Whoa, what's wrong with you? You go, nothing's wrong with me. Why? Because you look awful. Has anybody ever said to you? No, nobody ever says that to us in Christian circles. You know, you look at someone, you go, wow, that, that guy, he looks really sick or something. He just looks yellow or he looks pale or he looks white or, you know, and you go, wow, there's something wrong with you. Or sometimes things can happen to people and it can happen unbeknownst. I met this guy recently. He was a, an English guy. He's been in the church here a few times and, and uh, I saw him recently and I hadn't seen him for about a year before that. And I walked into the room and he had lost tons of weight, loads and loads of weight. And of course, I thought to myself, I mean, I can't ask him, you know, are you sick and is everything okay? So what did I do? I asked him, are you sick? Is everything okay? <laughs> and he said to me, no, mate, I lost a lot of weight. I said, you lost a load of weight? You've lost enough. He said, no, I lost a load of weight, mate. I was getting fat. And I thought, well, fair play to you. Well, you know, well admitted, you. But he lost a lot. And he hadn't seen it himself because the change had been gradual to him. But to me, walking the door was like, oh, he's going to die. But he had changed little by little. And you think, how could it possibly be that Moses spends time in the presence of God and he comes out shining? I mean, that can't possibly happen. Well, do you know, that happens to you all the time. Did you know that? Because you can find yourself in glorious presence and you will be changed. How do you know the Irishman on holidays? That's how you know the Irishman on holidays. <laughs> you see the paddy on holidays, red as a... Hallelujah! You see, the Irish consider the sun coming out to be an opportunity to practice nudism. We go out and we just strip off everything and we're burned red and think to ourselves, sure it'll turn brown later. No, it won't. No, it won't. 
I can imagine, you know, I, I was talking to a guy who was originally from Malawi one time, and I said, whoa, it's scorching hot. And he looked at me, he said, I have been in Ireland for 10 years. It has never once been scorching hot in this country. <laughs> and we bear all the signs of it. I mean, I was very fair of face when I was growing up. I know I'm, you know, still looking. I know you're thinking he's still very good looking. I know you're thinking that. But, but, but because of that, I would get a sunburn in moonlight. It was so bad. I was so pale. And you see, you think, how could it possibly happen to Moses? It happens to you all the time. You stand out in the sun, and you can see somebody's out in the weather, and you can see they're gone red or they're gone brown, and they look in this, what they call a fine, healthy color. When I was a kid, you see, when I was, when I was like back in the 70s when I was a child, somebody would describe somebody as having a tan, as having a healthy color. And of course, now dermatologists are saying, no, your original color is your healthy color, all other colors are not such good colors. Or you see somebody who's been oranged in a sunning tan place, you know, they come out and they're orange. The sun has an effect on us. It has an effect on us just by being exposed to it. And the presence of God is the same thing. Just by being exposed to the presence of God and being exposed to the word of God, we are changed. It has an effect on us. You see, everything we do has an effect on us. The company we keep, what's very important to us, all of those things have an effect on us. We become like our fathers in some ways. I, I, you know, I, I stood and looked in the mirror the other day and I said, mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my father after all. <laughs> it turns out that I was just like him, just like him. Now, I don't know whether my father would be complimented or insulted by that, but that's okay. But you see, it has an effect on us. The things we do and the things that we value has an effect on us. The writer of the Psalms, one of the Psalms written, was describing the effect of people's idols, the things that are most important to them in their lives and the effect that that has on them. Now remember when this was written, people used to make little statues of gold or silver and they would form them and then they would worship them and they would pray to them. I don't think there's anybody here is making statues of gold and silver and if you are, we will lay hands on you a little bit later. But anyway, this is what he said about people who made statues of gold and silver. He said their idols are silver and gold made by human hands they have no modes they have modes but cannot speak my apologies they have eyes but cannot see they have ears but they cannot hear they have noses but they can't smell anything they have hands but they can't feel anything they have feet but they can't walk anywhere nor can they utter a sound from their throats key line those who make them will be like them and so will all who trust in them you see, if you are worshipping an idol, if you're worshipping something made by human hands, you are going to become like that thing. You are going to become spiritually inanimate. You are going to become spiritually unable to hear, spiritually unable to see, spiritually unable to move, spiritually unable to feel. If you worship something other than God, that is what's going to happen to you. You are going to become like the thing that you worship, even if that worship is a person, you will begin to take on the attributes of a person. You will begin to change by somebody who's really influential in your life. The Bible tells us an awful lot about how what, what you would describe as being malleable, how changeable and moldable we are. And it gives lots of warnings and lots of advice and lots of counsel about that. The Bible gives us good advice and we, sh we should pay attention to it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said this, he said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
So where you are has an effect on you. Moses being in God's presence had an effect on him. You being in God's presence will have an effect on you. But if you are keeping bad company, it will corrupt your good character. If you have a good kid and you put him with bad kids, no, you say, oh, there's no such thing as bad kids. They're all really lovely and just misunderstood. Trust me, there's bad kids, okay? So if you take good kids and you put them with bad kids, all of a sudden, all the bad kids become good. Ah, yes, I want to study really hard. No, they don't. What happens is the good kid starts doing everything the bad kids are doing. And they're stealing cars or drinking cider. And I don't want to be too specific, but there you go. They're doing what the bad kids do. That's what we don't suddenly affect those around us. Everybody doesn't become good because we're good. And if you are here this morning, can I just say to you, if you are in this room this morning, you are in good company. Amen. What you're doing here this morning is good for your character. As Tom said earlier, come with us. The people around you, they will do you good. They will do you good. What else does the Bible say? It says this. It says, he who walks with the wise will become wise. But a friend of fools suffers harm. You want to become wise? You want to be some kind of a wise guy or something? You want to be wise? Hang around with wise people. It's not that complicated. If you you want to be wise, don't you know? If you want to be wise, walk with wise people. I go walking with Tom. Tom and I go for a walk the other time. We go kind of the the wise guy is out for a walk. So so I've been with Tom for a long time and he's a pretty wise guy. Would anyone say amen? Wise guy. Yeah, I, I, and I'm stupid, okay? Anyway, it's all about comparison. Like, anyway, so we're walking, the two of us are walking. So we walk differently, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen it. Tom walks like this. He walks with a man with no care in the world. I, on the other hand, am walking with the weight of the world on my shoulders. But I'm walking with a wise guy, and I hope that that's going to make me a little bit wiser. Hang around with the wise guys, because if somebody who hangs around with fools is going to suffer harm. You see, if you put your good little child in with all the bad little children, so all of a sudden your good little child goes, Hi, mom, and he starts going, I hate you! Just by keeping company. But a companion of fools will come to harm. Are there fools in your life? Stay away from them. They'll bring you harm. What about this one? Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. If you are wrong people who are always losing the cool, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose your cool. That's what's going to happen if you're around people who start throwing bricks in a riot. I know how many Christians regularly go to riots, so I'm, 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 I know I'm on solid ground here. If you're, if you're at a protest and some dope decides to pick up a brick and throw it at the cops, get out of there. Because after a while, other dopes will start picking up bricks. Oh, look, throwing bricks at police is a good idea. That's what's going to start happening. If you're around angry people, you're going to get angry. And he says you might pick up their habits and endanger your soul. Is there somebody really losing their temper who's a friend of yours? Dump your friend. Ouch. Christians don't do that at all. Stay away from them because you will endanger your soul. Because we are so impressed and so affected by the people around us. 
your character and your company, your wise walkers and your furious friends. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. I had a friend of mine. Uh, when I was growing up, his guy's name was Anthony. Uh, I wasn't going to give his name away, but I just thought we'll call him this nom de plume, Anthony. We'll give him a mocky name. So Anthony, uh, he grew up with me. He was from Cork, like. He was uh, from Botanic Road in Bellevue, like I was myself, like. Cork accent, like. So he went off to work in the UK. He worked, I think it was in London. He worked in London for two years. And I met him one day on the street just after he came back. In actual fact, he started working with me and I said, Anthony, how are you, boy? And he said, oh, all right, mate, good to see you, innit? And I, 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 I said, are you okay? Yeah, mate, just back from England and I was working over the last two years. I was like, seriously, I mean, like, and, and, and when did you come back? He says, I came back to Coke. Coke? Coke? You're from Cork, boy. I just came out to Cork to find some work, didn't I, mate? It was like, seriously? All that happened was that this guy was around some people who were constantly speaking with this accent, and he just picked up the accent. That's all that happened. It'll be the same for you if you hang around people with accents. If you start hanging around people saying, all right, mate, you start saying, all right, mate. For some reason, when I looked down at our man's Birkins down there, I cannot ever imagine him hanging around London people saying, all right, mate, but he will, but he will. And if you hang around with South African people, you will begin to talk like a South African. <laughs> if you have them for long enough, you will become as kind and as considerate as they are. Become as diplomatic as Say words like God instead of God. God will become God to you. And you'll be so nice. You see, the South Africans are really straight. You know, they tell you straight, I do not like you. So I know you've heard this before. You kind of go, really? You don't like me? I mean, the Irish. What do you mean? We would just die when the South African president says, I do not like you. I don't like the color of your hair. Oh. But the worst thing you can do to an Irish person is give them a compliment. If you really want to fall out with them, just say, hey man, you're looking really good today. Me? Oh, not at all. I look like a dump. <laughs> Or somebody comes to go to an Irish person and say, Come here, man, you've really got a lovely voice. Me? Ah, no, I sing like a crow. Ah, ah, I'm terrible. Ah. You can't win with the Irish. You can't win. You can't compliment them. Or if you insult them, say, I don't like you. Say, I'm going to get you back and burn your house down. Post-colonial, nothing we can do about it. We've been together for a long time. But people who are around each other all the time begin to take on each other's characteristics and effects. They begin to they say that couples, and this is a psychological fact, actually begin to look like each other when they've been married and together for a long time. Please pray for my wife, Elma. I hope she never looks like me. This is my sister I'm after marrying here, you never know. And while you're at it, please pray for Denise. She really needs your prayers right now. She just really needs them right now, like really right now, because she's becoming, she even, yeah, she's confirming that, that's it, that's witnessing with her spirit. We actually become, actually like people, we begin to take up their habits, and we begin to take up their, 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 their behaviors, and we begin to talk like them and sound like them. The one thing I would say about my wife, Elma, and Tom's wife, Denise, is I got to say, they absolutely shine. You're going to have to do better than that. With respect, you're talking about my wife and Tom's wife here. They shine. You do, you do. 
You do, sweetheart. It's true. It's true. Can I come back into the bedroom now? <laughs> you see, when we're around people and things like that that influence us, they change us. No, seriously. When we're around things like that, we get changed because we're malleable, we're moldable, we're changeable. And God knows that and he made us that way, deliberately made us that way so that we could be changed and we could be molded and we could be affected, that we're not fixed and stone-like and solid and permanent, but we change all the time through our lives. But then we are sucked into this thing. We are sucked into comparison, continually comparing what we have and who we are to what other people have and who they are, what they have in their pockets, what they have in their characters, what they have in their brains. We're comparing it to us all the time. And the system that we are in, whether it's in Twitter, Snapchat, magazines, media publishing, they're all continually telling us to compare. Compare your car with the guy across the road. Compare your home with the people who live up the street. Compare, compare, compare. And when we do that, we can want to be something that God just does not want us to be. And when we go that road, we're actually piling up a whole hill of trouble for ourselves. The writer C.S. Lewis, you'll know he's my favorite writer other than the Bible, my favorite writer. He said this. He said, when we want to be something other than the thing that God wants us to be, we must be wanting what in fact will not make us happy. Now, who, does, does anybody here want to be happy? Just, you know, give us a show of hands. Come on, get your hands up. Oh, I can see an awful lot of you are quite happy to be miserable. No, I'd love to be miserable. Would you like to be happy? Get your hand up. Go on, God, stretch up. Think about the calories. Think about the calories. You see? Every one of us want to be happy. But when we want to be something other than what God wants us to be, when we want things in our life other than what God wants in our lives, when we try to shape our lives in the way that we think that they should be shaped and shaped only, we are wanting something that will actually make us unhappy. Now, nobody in their right mind says, I think I know what I want for my birthday. What do you want for your birthday? I want to be made unhappy. Nobody in their right mind wants to be made unhappy. But that's what happens when we try to be something other than what God called us to be. When we try to be something other than that God, what God wants us to be. That's how we become happy. When we begin to change like he wants us to change. When we become affected like he wants us to be affected. Then we become the happiest people on earth. Do you know what amen means? Amen means this is true, or I agree. Anyway, just for the record, thought I'd clear up on that one. The writer and a theologian and Bible scholar, John Piper, said this. He said, you become most like what you admire the most. If you admire the glory of God most in all of his ways, you will become more and more conformed to that. You become most like what you admire the most. If you admire something in someone, you will begin to emulate it. The old saying is true. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Imitation, when we actually imitate the way, what we're saying is that I really admire that and I want that to be in my life and to be part of my life. That's what happens when we admire something and it begins to change us and begins to affect us and begins to change even the way that we think and begins to change the way that we act. So it changes our our, 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 our 
attitudes. It changes our actions. It changes our behavior. It changes our character when we admire something in someone. That is why the good kid who goes with the bad kids begins to admire their attitudes, their behavior, and their character and begins to ape that same attitudes, behavior, and character. That is why it is so important that we choose the right friends, people who will build us up and not tear us down, who will lead us the right way, not lead us astray. Amen? This is what Paul writes. He writes this to the, 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 uh, the Corinthians, the early Christians in the church at Corinth. And he's coming back to this motif of the veil being over Moses' face. And he's, he's taking it as an emblem of blockage, of blindness, of ignorance. And he's saying to them, lads, the blockage is gone. The ignorance is no longer an excuse because we know that God has made a way. And we are no longer spiritually blind. And he says this about how we are changed. He says, for the, the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That is God's purpose and His plan for your life to be made more and more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus in your attitudes, in your behavior, and in your character. That is more and more like Jesus in your heart, and in your mind, and in your actions. More and more like Jesus. And when Paul uses the term here, we are, he makes us more and more like him. An older version, an older translation, probably more accurate to the original Greek, says we are being changed from glory into glory. Little changes, glory, and then a little bit more glory, and a little bit more glory is being added to our lives. And how do we do all that by looking with unveiled faces at the glory of God by simply looking at Jesus the message says that we are like Jesus that we become transfigured simply by being in God's presence now how do we focus our eyes on Jesus do we focus our eyes on Jesus by going downtown and getting a really good kind of modern picture of Jesus and putting it up on the wall and staring at it for four hours a day? I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. That is not how we do it, okay? Just in case you're wondering, don't go downtown and buy a picture of Jesus. What you actually do is you look at the picture that is painted of Jesus in the scriptures. You look at God's word. Look at the gospels. Look at the pre-gospels, the, the, the message of the Old Testament and how Jesus was spoken of in the prophets and even in the law. And look at Jesus in the wisdom books like Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes. Look at him already there in history. And then we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the epistles. We hear all about who Jesus is. And by looking at that and by taking that in and beginning to emulate those behaviors, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. We're changed from glory into glory into glory and we get more and more like Jesus. When I was a young Christian, when I, I went into this Christian church uh, that I got saved into back in 1986, so when I where I became a Christian, and the people inside, they were always talking about becoming more like Jesus. And I was thinking, you know, they were saying things like, you know, we will all be like Jesus one day. And of course, I was young and unspiritual and didn't know exactly what they were talking about. So I thought that one day we would all have beards and wear sandals and robes and be going around like this. I thought it was okay for the men. I was more worried for the women, to be honest with you. I thought it could be a bit of an issue. Um, but we were going to be more and more like Jesus. No, of course, I understand. And as I began to read the scriptures, I began to understand that it was Jesus' attitude and Jesus' behavior and Jesus' heart that we were supposed to more and more reflect. That's what we were supposed to do. 
And here Paul is reminding us that we are being changed. Lads, you know what? Being inside here this morning, I'm not kidding you, being inside here in God's presence and with God's people has changed you. You may not see it. It may be a millimeter in a meter. You may not see it. For some people today, it will be a huge breakthrough. It will be an enlightenment, an awakening, just like we prayed and sang about earlier. For other people, it will be an incremental change, something really small, something almost invisible, a little change in glory from glory to glory. But you are being changed in the presence of God. You know, the Bible continually uses, again, the, the image of the potter and the clay. It says, God is the potter and we are the clay. And the image being used there time and time again right throughout the Old Testament New Testament, the idea is that we are changeable, that we are moldable, that God has an effect on our lives, that he's transforming us and changing us. What does Paul write in Romans chapter 8? He says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He knew your past. He knew you in the past, and he knows your past. He's working on you in the present to prepare you for the future. That's what's going on. You know the old saying is true: the past is history, the future is a mystery. Today is a gift, and that's why it's called the present. And I don't know who coined that or where it comes from, but it's really, really true. So today is the day when we begin the process of change. Today is the day when we continue the process of being changed from glory to glory and God changing us on the wheel. And you know this great phrase, you know, it's it's back there in Jeremiah where it says the potter, how can the potter say to the clay why have you made me like this? Why didn't you make me taller or better looking or brainier or in a richer country? Why did you make me like this? He says the potter, the clay cannot say that to the potter. He's the potter, he can do what he likes with the clay and when we want to be other than what God wants us to be we're trying in fact to be unhappy I want you to be happy would anyone say amen God wants you to be happy Max Lucado the Christian writer said this God loves you just the way you are but he refuses to leave you that way he wants you to be just like Jesus he refuses to leave you that way because we sing, I'm going to come as I am to the presence of God. Come as you are. Yes, come as you are. But he refuses. He loves you too much to leave you just like that. He wants you to be changed and made like Jesus. Are we in agreement that this is God's best way? Let me finish with this Bible verse. Maybe the band can make their way up, guys. John is writing to the early Christians. John the Beloved, the one who was closest to Jesus when he was in his earthly ministry, the man who literally laid his head on Jesus' breast at the, at the Last Supper and spoke to him. He was so close to Jesus. And when he was writing to the early Christians, he wrote this to them in 1 John chapter 3. He said, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. It's kind of sort of good news, like, it's kind of okay, like, I'd probably prefer to be Emmanuel Macron's child if I could be, but you know, if, if, if I must be God's, it's okay. This is good news, guys. He calls us his children because that is what we are. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. Will anyone say amen? amen. A woman walked into our church about five years ago, maybe even six years ago, a woman I hadn't met for years and years came into our church she knew my name, and as she stood in the church, this boy walked past her, this nine-year-old kid walked past her, and she said, that is Michael O'Donovan's son. 
I just recognized that is Michael O'Donovan's son. I was totally unbeknownst to this. He was kind of going, Whoa. She said, you are Michael O'Donovan's son. Michael's son. She came to me and said, I could see your son. It was clearly your son. I said, wait, she said, he's the spitting image of you. He's the head off you. He looks just like you. Please pray for my son, Fionn. He's, you know, he's going to need help. But he looks just like me. Why? He has my DNA. He is my son. He belongs to me. He's been around me. I've influenced him. He's influenced me. But he's changing and his identity is clear. What a compliment God pays to us by calling us his children. You know that when you came from your mother's womb, you already bore the image and likeness of God. That's what the Bible tells us. He wants you to bear the image and likeness of Jesus. Will we stand and pray? Saying, what are we going to pray for? I want to pray this. I want to pray that we would begin to admire Jesus in a whole new way. In a way that changes our lives and changes our souls. Lord, would you renew my admiration? Would you renew my focus on Jesus this morning? Because I know my focus is becoming distracted. Would you renew my love and admiration for Jesus Christ this morning? If that's your prayer this morning, would you raise your hand? You can keep your hand up. Would you just keep your hand up just for a second? I want to pray as well for those who recognize that there's patterns in their lives that are just not changing. You want to say, Lord, change the situation. I don't want any more. I don't want any more to be a victim of this habit, a victim of this sin, a victim of this circumstance. Will you please change this situation for me and in me? If that's you this morning, I want to pray but before we pray I'm going to invite you to come to the front and we're going to sing we're going to sing a great confession from a song called No Longer Slaves we are children of God this morning would anyone say amen let's renew our admiration let's renew our desire again this morning let's come to the front and pray that's what we do here you let's sing me you make your with way. a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child.
lift your hands up to heaven. Let's lift our lives before God. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, for those of us who are here this morning, Lord, who need to know that renewal, Lord, I thank you that you are changing us from glory into glory, that we are not the same as we are yesterday. We will not be the same tomorrow and we will never be the same again after being in your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray that our admiration would be renewed. I pray that our desire would be renewed. I pray that our awe of who you are would be renewed, Lord. I pray that our gaze would be taken up with you again fully and completely, Lord. I pray that we would never, Lord, never want to be other than what you want us to be, Lord. May we have the wisdom and the grace to accept who we are because we are your children. Would anyone say amen? Lord, I pray for those this morning who are continually hitting up against the same patterns and habits and behaviors, Lord. The people who are stuck in the same same circumstances, Lord, whose life seems to be live, die, repeat, live, die, repeat, Lord, I pray, Lord, that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, habits and behaviors and sins and addictions would be broken today in Jesus' name. Lord, that as we go from here, we will be changed that little bit more into another form of glory, to shine that little bit more for you. Lord, to show who you are and what you can do in the life of a human being who loves you and follows you. Let's close in prayer before the guys finish up with the song. We will lift our hands to heaven. We're going to close in prayer. Lord, I pray that into every situation we go to this week, Lord, that we would not forget that I am a child of God. Would you repeat after me? I am a child of God. One, two, three. I am God. Lord, I pray that would be our good confession this week. Our hold on spiritual reality in our lives this week, Lord. And that in every situation we would go, we would expect to encounter you and the presence of our Heavenly Father. May we, Lord, as it were, get lost in our thoughts about you. And I thank you, Lord, your word says that you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. You wrote the first chapter and you will write the last chapter of all of our lives, Lord. Lord, this week we pray that another page of our identity, of growing, of changing, of becoming more like Jesus would be written. And we pray this in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Praise God. God bless and keep you guys. God bless and keep you. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs for those of you who would like tea and coffee. We're going to be here again on Tuesday night at half past seven. I hope you can make it along. Don't forget all the kids' events and stuff that's going on. Stay tuned to our website and our Facebook. God bless and go with you. The guys are going to finish us out on the song. God bless you, man.